0: People I've never really done a podcast, so I'm, I'm, I'm on to the right. Today with me is David Payne. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. I was just listening.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Oh, awesome. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you
0: for having me. Enraptured in that intro. Okay, so first thing I want to know is, when did you kind of get into shmups?
1: Well, I got into shmups uh, maybe... I kind of want to say 15 years ago, I started to collect arcade machines. But when I was a kid, when I was 12, I played Life Force. I was into them since back then.
0: Nice. What would you play Life Force on? Just on the Nintendo. That is a great game. And that's the one where it'll flip from vertical to horizontal, right? Between stages?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: And then you get the power-ups. It's like uh, Gradius.
2: mm mm-hmm. huh. Yeah.
0: So... What other games, you said you mentioned other arcade games, what other arcade games were you excited about when you were younger?
1: Well, uh, Visa, I was Life Force stuck with me, but I also played Contra a lot. I played, um I just had a Nintendo when I was a kid, and then what well, did I just play on the Nintendo? I played Life Force, I played Contra, Double Dragon was amazing. There's just some masterpieces on that machine. After collecting the arcade stuff, I got a new appreciation for... Like, they'd release something on the arcade, and then they'd really refine it a lot for the home system, they'd have more time to work on it. And they were... Just some of those games were tailored so wonderfully.
0: Absolutely. You know what's funny is, I'll admit this, I, I'm a little too young to have grown up with the Nintendo. I grew up with the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And the first uh, game I ever played was Super Mario World.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and... Uh, Mario...
1: Yeah. Oh, the, Mario, the original. Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, the original. Actually, Mario. Um, I'm 43, so I was like just a teenager when that stuff was coming out. Well, I bought my first Nintendo when I was, 12, I guess, over 13. So you, you
0: mentioned you grew up in Salt Lake, is that right? Uh-huh. So what was the arcade scene like in Salt Lake City? Was it pretty good?
1: Well, um... Yeah, when I was a kid there was an arcade game just everywhere. Every 7-11 had a couple arcade games, every grocery store had a couple arcade games, you know, like a little arcade section by the doors. Right, yeah. There I consider it there's golden age arcade games, which is like all the like
0: the, the old school or well, you know, like life force classic ones, like Life Force and things like that. Before Oh,
1: life force, oh like, like Pac-Man and stuff like that. Space Invaders kind of stuff? Yeah, Space Invaders and Pac-Man. And then there's another era, and the people that played those are just a little bit older than me, and when I was a teenager, it was um, Life Force and Ninja Gaiden, the, the arcade one. Oh yeah, and that like, is a great game. Altered Beast and all those great Sega games, Golden Axe and stuff, those things really shocked me. And, and Strider, so they were in the arcade right when I was a kid, and I consider that to be... There's a gap after Pac-Man, I mean, I'm kind of abbreviating, but... Mm-hmm. after pac-man and before race car games you know that whole section right yeah is when I was to the arcade all the time growing
0: up home console wise what were your home consoles of choice
1: well I got I got hooked so I saw Strider at the arcade in mm-hmm. the mall and I was that was the one that really hooked me I bought a Nintendo and I got a gamePro video game magazine one time like on a family vacation, it was it was sit matter on the rack, and there was pictures of Strider coming out for the Nintendo, and that really kind of galvanized my love for Nintendo in the first place. And I um and I you know it was coming out the next year or something. I saved up and saved up. I was just a little kid, and I got that. And then I kind of I kind of think you need one like Super Goal, some game that you're like crazy passionate about. Some you know for some reason happened to be Strider for me.
0: Oh, yeah, like lock, to one
1: to, lock you. to get the one credit? Work. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, it kind of, like Ninja Gaiden, Gaiden and Strider, those kinds of games, even though they're not shmups, they still kind uh-huh. of are reminiscent of it, where they're brutally difficult. You definitely have to have some technical skills to get through them. One death, yeah. or one mistake, and you're dead
1: as a doornail. Yeah, they're, they're similar. I mean, they have the same. Uh, shmups are kind of kind of fringe now, you know? Yeah. They're they comparable to that stuff. I mean, they're the same kind of pace and the same thing as, you know, all those arcade games from the, from 1990, basically, you know. I had a huge shmups explosion when I discovered MAME, too, because there was a certain point where I, like, learned that technology. Oh, yeah. And so when I played Dodo Apache and stuff like that and downloaded all these games that, you know, I couldn't see in the arcade ever and, and kind of got some mass exposure that kind of tied in my love. That's when I realized that I like life force so much. Right? I discovered that stuff. And I was like, "Oh, I like these kind of things. This is the best. This is like a you know a really solid kind of game." That's awesome, it was Mame. And yeah,
0: you totally. and speaking of Mame, you also mentioned that maybe not on air that you had at one point. I don't know if you still do a pretty expansive PCB collection.
1: Yes, I started. I um, I never really collected anything. In my life, you know, really. Uh huh. But the attitude that you have when you collect is, it's a very powerful attitude because it's like all this identity that you don't really have to exercise all the time, but it's just always there. Cause, cause I mean, all those games that I would get, they're so rare. They're so rare. Like you'd see. Oh, I know. In a, in a span of five years, you might see one. You know what I mean? Or maybe ten years. So this kind of like constant searching for a specific thing is a really meaningful kind of hobby, you know.
0: Absolutely. And in case everyone's wondering, I'm gonna post a link. You have a on your webpage screenshots of the various uh, PCBs you owned. Yeah. And I was looking through them and I noticed, oh, you got you had Deju in there. That's my favorite.
2: You had Dodon. Yeah, Dodon Pachi. Oh, really?
0: Yeah, it
1: is. What a game! <laughs> what
2: a game! Yeah, it's amazing. I love it.
1: <laughs> it's a masterpiece. You I, say- I, I'm also into side. I call it Zhu. I, I,
0: I don't know how to say it, so mm. you might have it mo- much more correct than I do.
1: I think everybody gets to say it their own way.
0: So I wanted to ask you. You mentioned you know, Life Force was where you kind of started with shmups, and you mentioned your appreciation of Daiaju. So I was wondering, as far as shmups go, what what is kind of the I guess subgenre or style of uh, shmup that you prefer the most or do you not really
2: oh um
1: i don't think i have one i just i think i there's elements of shmups that i am into more than other stuff and these elements are like if if there's like a sense of kind of narrative or drama mm-hmm. visually you know like visual narrative yeah like um did you ever play shien ryu um drawing a blank there it's like on the it was on the Saturn, but it was also on this arcade machine. Let's see, what was that one? Do you know one called Dai, Dai-O? Who's the developer? I might recognize the developers. Um, it's in the room with me, so I'm trying to, I want to see who made it. But, um, you know, every nerd kind of has their own focus, you know? Yeah, and, you're, everybody. you're exactly right there. Um, <clears throat> okay, it's loading up on my machine. It's made by, it's, I'm actually, I'm embarrassed I don't know who made it because it's so complicated. I really this is made by... I'm just looking at the cartridge. Oh! It's made by Warishi. I've never... I have no idea what else they made. <laughs> I don't either. They made that one, and they made Dio, which is another arcade game. I'm
0: definitely going to have to check that out now.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. I, um, I think it's. I think it doesn't... Some In the past, it hasn't worked very good on MAME, so... Did you ever own the PCB? Yeah. It's on the same... So there's this arcade machine called the Sega Titan Video, which is like a, um, I guess it's closest to like a Sega Saturn for the arcade, you know? Yeah. And it has, and it's a cartridge system, so you switch out the cartridges.
2: Oh, that's sick.
1: <clears throat> and Radiant Silver Gun is on there. And there's one called Guardian Force, where you drive this tank, and it's on there too. Oh, it's called Terra Diver on the. I've heard Diver. That one's on there too. Okay. So there's one, it's kind of like, Sprite-based shmups, but they have a little bit of polygon sometimes. Sukiya Guruntai is the one. It's still good. It's made by the same people that made um, Battle of
0: I think that's uh Raising. Is that right? Or is that yes, wrong? Okay. Uh-huh. And when this podcast is posted, I'm going to just make it sound like I knew that. I'm not even going to question myself. <laughs> I know,
2: me too.
1: <laughs> My credibility is taking a no-step. I was looking at that list before, and I was trying to memorize the names of the games that I-
0: what happened with your PCBs? Did you sell them off, or did you you still got them all?
1: I just sold them. So there was a there was a point. So I collected these arcade machines, just generic cabinets from the garbage heaps of the. If you look in the newspaper for amusement devices, yes, those are the arcade places, you know. So I, I'd get cabinets, and then I I buy them. I'd collect the circuit boards and put them in. And then there was it was after I made my first main cabinet. That I was in the room and I was kind of looking at one cabinet and then looking at the main cabinet. And I was watching the game over there and over there. Uh-huh. And I was playing them. Now I'm actually more refined. Now I'm, now I'm a little pickier about emulation and stuff. But back then yeah. I was like, you're
3: like, it's
0: good,
1: it's good baby. It's exactly the same. Why <laughs> am I collecting this circuit board? And I, ne- the, the whole time I never was into the hardware. I just wanted access to the games because the circuit boards just get old. They break. They're fragile. Pain Um, in the ass, probably. I just wanted the game, and when I realized I could have the game, I was like, I'm getting rid of these circles, so I sold them all.
0: So, when did, what year was it that you sold them,
1: or was it just slowly over time? Well, it was 10 years ago, because it coincided, I have two children that were born 10 years ago, coincided with that.
0: I can understand that. Yep, when my son was born, I was selling all kinds of crap, so I understand that for sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I didn't, even really have to, I didn't really have to sell them, I don't think, but I mean, I had a credit card debt that I, you know, over the previous 10 years, I had amassed at maybe 2,000 bucks or something, you know, because I was a real collector. I would never, I never spent more than 200 bucks, you know, That is ever, ever, ever.
0: That's ever. amazing. And they're all more expensive now. So, Dejure's my favorite schmub. I'm uh, kind of a collector. That one was
1: 300 bucks, by the way. It was probably 250.
0: Really? That one, you got it? Yeah. Okay, so the other day I was like, you know, I've got a real job now. I'm going to I'm going to go a little crazy and, you know, drop 300 400 bucks on a PCB or something. So I was looking around, oh, I was a little naive at this point. I was looking around and I found Dayasu for $100. I was like, "Oh, of course." So then I I'm going through the listing, I'm about to buy it. It's a holder, it's a stand. For the PCB. It's not even the PCB. $100. I was
1: like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> nice. They're like art pieces. I mean, they're not even... I would never buy that stuff just to play it. I agree, it's too much money. But on the flip side, I have a new appreciation for arcade art that I've never had before. All right. So, that, so I, maybe I would actually buy any of that stuff just to have. But I used to just buy it to play, and it's too expensive. That's... Well, like I said, it wasn't as expensive when I bought it. So where so were that you? Was, that was one of my parameters.
0: So where were you picking up these PCBs?
1: Well, I bought them all from, um, the Schmups tr- for- forum trading section. I got tons of them there. That's where I sold most of them. Um, eBay, maybe half of them on eBay, you know? Well, i do just search. i you know, I'd really browse eBay all the time. Yeah. And then very rarely I'd like, it would just be, like, an interaction where, like, I guess maybe if I um, if I found someone on Schmuck's forum, I'd interact with them, you know, to get it with Stranger Danger. But um, I guess now kind of I'm thinking back, I guess it was mostly eBay.
0: Yeah. So do you have but, any stories of either great, you know, a great find or a horrible deal gone wrong?
1: Well, not so much, except... Just the repeated and repeated and repeated story of waiting for the UPS guy, having to intercept him because he has this priceless object, is irreplaceable. And if I miss him, there is a very real chance that it will disappear. So it's basically like um, Indiana Jones for cardboard boxes, you know? <laughs> yeah. And Did I you? I'd drive around and ask the UPS drivers if they were mine and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. Oh, no, that's the other guy over there. Yeah. Did you that watch was just, that it, was regular every single game it didn't matter how much it cost cuz i mean the cost made me able to get it cuz i could afford yeah. purchases. but that has nothing to do with the pricelessness of these pieces no?
0: Yeah absolutely did you watch a little ace fan turn you're like oh shit i got to get down in the post office
2: <laughs> That's what it was like
0: <laughs> They're just doing um, hacky sack with my PCB
1: <laughs> Oh yeah it was just pure hell just that experience I mean i i kind of sit like spend either half the day or a whole day, or giant big sections of multiple days, you know, kind of hanging around the living room, so to intercept the guy, like, it was just totally, totally intense, you know, because you couldn't get it again, you couldn't get it again. Right, absolutely. Did you ever? now and like, you can't have them, but I mean, on that list, I, um, you look at that list, that link I sent you, and that, it was this amazing, it was a fine collection. I did that so long that I ended up beautiful collection. so many of that radical, radical list of stuff, you know. Yeah, an amazing collection. But every one of these, like, these didn't just fall in my lap. They were all, like, hunted, hunted, seeked, and found, you know? Just slowly, slowly. So how There's did you fun- make the list? Was it kind of, um, well,
0: just I, kind I, of a, was like a,
1: what opportunity? Was
0: a, oh, Yes. Or is it like you had a a list and you're going to get
1: through it step by step? It's just like, you know, as I got into, as I started collecting them, I got more into the culture and Mm -hmm. was just exposed to more of them. I mean, this list with these little screenshots, that was the exposure to them back then. You could go on the Internet and ask people about them or something, but it was mostly like all anyone knew was a screenshot, you know, and they just knew that it existed.
0: You're doing this at a time that this stuff isn't as accessible as it is now.
1: Yeah, no, nobody. Um, a lot of it. I bet a lot of these you couldn't play on Mame when I bought them. Um, And did you did you have any interest in the home
0: console ports of them, or were you just like
1: arcade all the way? Oh, I did that too. I collected the home stuff too, but uh, but um, it was I was about the arcade. You know, they're better. They're better in the arcade. Absolutely. I and mean, I you've got
0: a, a dedicated to machine it. to the game. And
2: I had,
1: um, I had all these, so I had all these machines. I didn't always have a house big enough for the machines. So yeah. for years, I put them around the town in the bars and stuff like that in Salt Lake City. So I kind of did that thing for a long time. I had a little arcade. There was this, there's an all-ages concert hall here in Salt Lake City called Kilby Port. It's like this, um, it's been there forever for like 15 years, but it's like basically like a, garage you know but it's like this nationally known little underground concert place and i had a little section outside there a little shed that i had a real arcade in for a year or two you know awesome um, like I, don't pu- know if I can even say word. i it? mean i had them there and people could go see them oh no, nobody gave a shit about it of course i mean nobody but i'd always put the coolest games in there just wondering if someone would that was it seemed like that was pre-internet so i couldn't even like tell everybody you're looking for this game if you want to go on a pilgrimage and see this game, you know, then maybe you can go here. I didn't even, I wasn't even that advanced back then, you know.
0: Well also for the listeners out there, I'd just like to clarify we live in the mountain area of the United States where yeah. no one in our area gives a shit about this kind of stuff at all.
1: In this region, I I know i c cu- I've been lucky enough to just meet a couple of people who have the same kind of the same hobby just a couple and, uh, and they live very very far away they live an hour away one lives an hour away one direction one lives an hour away the other direction
0: so another thing I was curious about because you mentioned you you were married and you had your son or I don't know um if you had other it's, children I two daughters two daughters sorry I mentioned my son sorry about that. But <laughs> any, anyway when I started kind of getting into collecting this kind of stuff and I started bringing home CRTs and Trinitrons my wife wanted to kill me. Did you have any experiences
1: similar to that?
2: No, I always i i, I, had, I had support. That's awesome. I, guess I had
1: support as long as I used my own credit card, and I don't know, it was okay. Well, I have I had <laughs> like uh, seven or eight or nine arcade machines, you know, like in the zone here. So that's so awesome.
2: Yeah. So right as of right now,
1: you've got seven or eight like plugged in, ready to roll. Yeah. Well, right now I have. There's three in this room, and then in the other room, there's about eight, eight or nine. I actually can't remember. But uh, um, but I've had support. She did tell me that she would never help me carry an arcade
2: game. One time.
0: You're on your own, buddy. You and the dolly. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though, that you have those cabinets. How old are your children? Are they old enough to kind of you know play the cabinets and like them? Do they care much for them? Um-
1: they're tan and they don't think they're cool, but I'm not surprised because I mean, I've never met another person who wanted to repeatedly play shmups, you know. Very true. Months, you know, so it's like I'm not really shocked. That I'm is. Kind of fa- I've kind of faced it that you either engage it or you don't feel like it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's one of those. It can be frustrating at times because um, if you're into it, it is such a rewarding experience, and it's you know you're passionate about it. But if someone's yeah. not into it, I'm at a loss of how to get them excited about it. I don't know what the magic trigger is for people to suddenly get interested in them, you know.
2: Well, I think it's so
1: fun. I can't imagine why anyone wouldn't feel the same as me, you know. I think
0: so. I think one thing that turns off a lot of my friends is just we have to say the difficulty is just you're getting your ass beat and you're going to have to take it <laughs> in a lot of these well, games.
2: I I got
1: to say you play them even either- you know, I'm I'm passionate about this stuff. I'm crazy about it. I'm crazy about it. But I do I engage it very differently even than you do. Like I've never tried. I've never I like tried the onesies. I you know I've never well I, I, by the same kind of example. I never really got into fighting games. I got into fighting games after Smobs, and I've never really really tried on them. And I've never even really really tried on Smobs. I just kind of do my best. I've never really you know practiced. I guess I have tried to get some high scores, but I mean, I've never, I've only taken a very organic practice approach, where right? I have to Try my
0: hardest over and over. As in, as opposed to my very the one I went over in my podcast, where I, you know I'm training you for boot camp to get through the game. Yeah. Uh huh. The different thing is, I feel like shmups. It's different than playing a fighting game casually because there's so much more to them as far as you know the art, the the design,
1: and you can Your appreciate is them. Different fighting games start and stop. Quite a bit more than shmups, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, very true. That is right. I've never really thought about that, but yeah, fighting games. And it's funny the the better you are at being patient and waiting around, the better you usually end up being in a fighting game, because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's kind of the default strategy of most fighting games. Yeah, but in shmups, it's it's reversed. Patient and waiting around is going to get you murdered. You got to get you got to get out there and get aggressive.
1: Yeah, there's a little bit of something else too. Shmups, like your Losing at the schmuck is, is like an inevitability you're just going to meet. Fighting games, you're actually really trying to succeed a little, I think a little more than shmups. Cause it feels a little bad to get beaten in a fighting game. And, and if you blow open a shmup, you're just like, oh.
2: Well,
1: it is what game it game is. Though. Yeah. You feel a little bit bad. <laughs> not, yeah. Not as bad fighting games for me. I do have a favorite fighting game. What's that? Well, I'm into this one called the rumble fish. Did you ever play that one? I haven't. It's another arcade one. There's a machine called the Atomus Wave, and it's this fighting game that's on the Atomus Wave, and it's just... Wow, I've never heard of it. you think I would. Do you know who developed it? It was Gimps. I think a company called Gimps.
2: Oh. So Sammy
1: makes the Atomus Wave. Thomas Wave is like a... like. Uh, there's another one called the Naomi. Do you know that one? The This Naomi board by Sega? Yeah, the, yeah, the arcade board. Yeah. So it's like, kind of like the Dreamcast, you know? Yes. Uh, I, I don't really know the details, but the the Atomus Wave is kind of leftovers from Neo Geo, leftovers from Naomi. Oh, okay. leftovers from Sega and Neo Geo stuff. SNK? Yeah, SNK. And they made this board called the Atomus Wave that's kind of like, like a Naomi. It's like a cross between Naomi and a Neo Geo, but it's, it's a game on there. There's a bunch of the games on there called, um, Metal Slug 6 is on that board.
0: Do you have one of those?
1: I have one, and it takes these little cartridges. It's like another cartridge-based board. board.
0: That's funny. You seem to have a a very in-depth knowledge of, you know, these different boards and stuff like that. Do you have a particular that's your favorite?
1: Well, you asked me before, like, what my favorite console was, you know? Yes. And I'm very into, like, the kind of the different... I think that the... Like, as an artist, I'm into the medium, you know, that is being used. And, like, a Nintendo game always kind of looks like a Nintendo game, and I think it goes much beyond. Like, it's kind of designed like a Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. kind of has these sensibilities that kind of go with that medium, you know? Sure. And I kind of view every console as being a very different medium. So and um, so my favorites are probably the Turbo Graphics and the Neo Geo and, I don't know, maybe those two. They don't have my favorite games or anything, but just... There are two systems that are a little bit not way overpowered or anything in any area except for the visuals. They're like have overpowered visuals.
2: I remember that. Then- since
1: that's the case, since the computer's kind of wimpy, they, they really put all their money into the visuals. And that's what I like about these games in the first place, is the visuals. So.
0: Yeah. I know on the Neo Geo, you're getting some of the best sprite art you'll ever see.
1: Yeah mostly just all the resources are focused into the art rather than other stuff I mean you could play like some really crappy game on the Neo Geo but the art is really beautiful turbo graphics is the same I, I think
0: I noticed one of the games you had in your you know collection was blazing star I think yeah, that, that game too. that game has amazing sprite art
1: yeah it's the focus of the game yeah. totally and I you know I don't think games can be crappy and have good art and be good. But, you know, if it's balanced a little bit towards the art, I always like that.
0: And I think cave games are like that as well. You know, they have beautiful, yeah, sprite they art.
1: Definitely art prioritized, you know. <laughs> but not always. Did you play, um, Mushihimi sama Yes. That one, like, that one's not as good as Dodo and Fetchi Daju. The art's gorgeous. And the, and the music and everything. Everything oh, yeah. about it is gorgeous, but it's like, it's less narrative, you know? It's like less... It's a little more gameplay-oriented and a little less narrative-oriented, I feel.
0: Yeah, I could see that.
1: You know, there's levels where the background kind of stays the same throughout the whole level, you know? And you kind of yeah, you're just way. going through trees and bushes. Yeah, you kind of, you kind of feel <laughs> like you're on a treadmill instead of on an adventure, you know? That game That game kind of accesses a, a part of my mind that that uh, is post-intellect. Like, I can't think as fast as the bullets are going, but I happen to be kind of going around them sometimes, but I'm like... You know, my body's doing it, not my mind. That's kind of what I feel like. And they do it by doing it so steadily for so long that you kind of turn that part off. You know? Yeah. That's how I, feel when I play it.
0: So, when you play these days, I'm assuming you're playing on your cabinets, right? Mm-hmm. So, you're playing with... Do you have the monitors and the whole nine yards?
1: Well, I have... So, since you collect monitors, but you don't collect arcade monitors, right?
0: Not yet. I can't find any, but... I'll get one
1: like, <laughs> cuz they're like gold. They're so rare. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like they're priceless objects now. So I have a bunch of cabinets and then kind of how my cabinets are designed has to do with how many monitors I have, you know. So I have some cabinets with like 25-inch CRTs, then I have other cabinets with, you know, flat screens and stuff. I try to be as innovative as I can with um with the display, I have some that are, you know, TVs and flat screens and stuff like that. You know, modern TVs with I don't know how to say the word. I call it I call it a Fresnel lens, but I kind of think it's French, like a Fresnel lens or something. But it's a flat piece of plexiglass with a with, you know, kind of a spiral cut into it like a record. Okay. And the angle of that turns it into a magnifying glass, so it's a flat magnifying glass piece.
2: Oh wow!
1: And some I'll have a giant one of those on the front. So, this flat screen will have this really organic, kind of projected quality because it's all a little bit warpy from the.
0: Oh, okay. The flash, it'll it'll kind of round it out like a like a CRT.
1: Yeah. That's and I have cool. a couple of those. And I have a couple of, you know, normal size, old style little arcade CRTs. And I just, I care for it. So, I, I call my arcade cabinets, they're, I call them sculptures. They're sculptures. Like, they're not, um, utilities. Like, every one of them is a shitty, shitty old cabinet from the garbage. Heavily rebuilt, just, like, you know, heavily, heavily modified with, like, you know, all buttons in all different spots than original. Yeah. Um, one attitude with arcade stuff is kind of this um, yearning to get the original piece of art together. So, like, you make a... They call it a dedicated cabinet where the cabinet has the original art on it and... And, you know, the original presentation with the game in it, and you don't mess with it after that. Since I just had generic cabinets and just collected the circuit boards, I kind of got drawn into an opposite approach where every cabinet, first was a generic box to play it in, but now I I view it as, like, a very sculptural, like, one-of-a-kind object that, like, I don't know, I feel like if uh, some... Some bug makes a cocoon that just fits its body, you know like uh-huh. That's all my cabinets are for me. Like, I just you know do this throw in ridiculous things that are just kind of fit my tastes. If a bunch of people came over, if arcade aficionados came and saw my cabinets, they just they think it was blasphemy that I ruined all these cabinets.
0: They repossess them by force. yeah you'd, you'd be called in it's a court. True. To answer for your crimes. <laughs> yeah.
1: And if just strangers came and played them, they'd probably think like, oh, these are pretty weird cabinets. But I mean, <laughs> they're perfect for me. Like, I designed them just how I wanted them. Do you have your own
0: artwork for them?
1: Um, well, they're collage. I mean, I have one. I used to make a lot of art because I used to play in this rock and roll band, you know, over the decades. And I'd like do a lot of art. To, like, you know, one cabinet, like the marquee, instead of saying Raiden 2 or something, will say like, buy our CDs or something or like have fan
2: name on it or Nice. And there's a,
1: lot, there's a lot of hand-painted aspects to the art, you know. That's awesome. It, They're just all hodgepodge, and I'll throw, like, if I can find an extra cool marquee or something, I'll stick it on another cabinet just because it looks cool, you know.
0: That's awesome that you have, um, so when you said you rebuilt nice. these, did you do the woodwork and stuff as well, or how did that go?
2: you know, have to rebuild
1: the control panels a lot, and I, I buy them from the garbage too, so, like, a lot of them have rotten. Parts that I have to replace, you know, yeah. things like that. <clears throat> I just noticed my voice is getting louder and louder. This is what <laughs> this is what nerds do when they're passionate about their when they're hitting their <laughs> they're oh hitting yeah their exact thing. They start to go crazy and talk louder and louder. <laughs> I have a joke that says, "How can you tell if someone's a nerd?" And then the answer is one: Are they talking louder and louder and won't stop? And the two is like, are their eyes kind of like glazing over at the same time? <laughs> I know it's funny. That's so funny. Yes, well, I'm passionate about arcade cabinets. I'm kind of getting into it.
0: So, how long have you had your cabinets? You mentioned ten years ago you started collecting. Did you have the cabinets years- then, or was it even before then?
1: Ten years ago, my children were born, and I s- were born, and I sold all the boards. Oh, so that's right. Years before that, my I mistake. Collecting this stuff, <clears throat> like 1994. Wow, but it was Nin- 1994. I must have
0: Because I'm thinking about it. If you're collecting in 1994, some of these games aren't even released. Like, Deju isn't even out.
1: Oh, yeah. I remember the time (laughs) period from when something came out. I I remember, like, you know, just clearly thinking, I can't pay a $1,000 for that. I know it's going to get down to 300 bucks. I just have to wait seven years. You know, I remember thinking that all the time. That is
0: the mind of a collector right there.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: <It's> <laughs> totally. That's good. awesome, though. And so know, when y- when you $1, were $1, selling,
1: one out, and it was, you could have it if you had a thousand bucks. I think Don Impecci, Dario, you could have it be like it was a thousand bucks. Maybe it was two thousand bucks. I don't know. That stuff is just like I'd see stuff, you know, being sold new. Yeah, for the arcade, but always like you know some crazy, crazy.
0: Oh yeah, Price. And then you you play, you fire the game up and Cave's telling you they're going to sue you to the full extent of the jam for playing it in the USA.
1: <laughs> yep. And I may, I'm in the arcade industry now, too, is the other thing. So now I know that it's it's still kind of the same. Like, new games are like, you know, $10,000 or something instead of 200 So all the prices are just so, so, so high. And arcades are complete anyway. Yeah. I happen to... There is an arcade here in Salt Lake that's kind of this... Um, very famous arcade. Nobody knows, o- only people like you and me would recognize these famous. No, no, no. It's just this, it's not. It's called Game Grid Arcade. Uh-huh. And it's, um, it's on the far other side of town for me, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's even hard to drive over there. But, um, but they have a couple, they have a, do you know, Darius
2: Burst? Yes.
1: CS, is that what it's called? Is that the one they with have like the three the three monitors? No, well, it's the it's the new one that has two. Oh, okay. Two giant monitors. Two giant ones. Okay. It's kind of. It's, I mean, it, you could almost call it like the last. I'm talking out my ass now, but it's like I, I I consider it to be like the last corporate shmup kind
0: of. Right, as in made by someone other than an indie developer kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. With like corporate roots, it's made by Taito, and they, and it was. I think there was lots of them in Japan. There were. It was so successful in Japan. Has Shmup, you know, I guess Shmups are popular in Japan, but it was. It was so successful that they wanted to localize it for the U.S. So they just made this one cabinet and they sent it over here and they tried it in some arcade, probably in Chicago or something. I actually don't even know. And then and it was a total failure. They tried it over here in this place because it's a famous arcade. The guy who runs it, like, um, he runs this industry blog called ArcadeHeroes.com, um, which I think is, like, one of the last arcade industry blogs. Wow. He ended up being in charge of it. So, anyways, that's how he gets in touch with these, you know, that's how he gets himself in these situations. But then they took it to his arcade where it was, of course, a total failure, you know. Oh I no! Did not want to make another one after that. You know, well,
0: I was hoping the story would end that they brought it to the arcade and you went and played it so much that they decided. You know what? We need to bring more of these machines over.
1: No, with it was an absolute, you know, business failure. But offered him the they gave they offered for him to buy it. They said like you know we don't even want, <laughs> we don't want this back. It's in English. You know what are we going to do with it? So you can buy it if you want. And he hasn't, but That's... he has a couple one off games there. It's actually not, I'm exaggerating. There's two of They made two of them. Mm-hmm. But he has one of them. And I don't know where the other one is. And then he has another one that was like he has this game that's kind of like a Dragon's Lair. Do you know Leisure Suit Larry? Yes. It's a cross between Dragon's Lair and Leisure Suit Suit Larry. You play a guy who's trying to get the attention of this lady. In cartoons, in like Don Bluth style animation. And I know they only made a couple of those. He has one of those. And that's a schmuck? It's not a shmup. Oh, okay. It's like a it's like Dragon's Lair. It's like a cartoon. Okay. And then um, and he has there's a shmup called Sky Cursor. Do you know that one?
0: Is that the newer one that was released that kind of looks like Metal Slug? Like it has that Uh that style of pixel art.
1: Yeah, and that's like a level ten indie shmup. Yeah, like like indie indie arcade shmup, which is the rarest thing in the world.
0: Right, because it comes with like a PCB. Right, it's not just.
1: Yeah, I think there's only a couple people in the as far as I know couple of people in the world that are like, you know, making arcade hardware for people to have like that. And they, yeah. that. It's, these, it's these couple people that live, I don't know where they're from across the country, but they, they made sky cursor and they also made this little computer for it to run on. There's another one called the X Arcadia, I think. Is that a bell? yeah, there's another one. I think it's one guy I'm really talking about my ass, but I think it's one guy in Japan who has done that with him, with his, and he's trying to get some indie schmucks on there. He's trying to get, um, uh, is it called AKA, 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 To Blue? AKA, To Blue? I can't remember. AKA, To Blue, this famous indie schmuck made by X cave people. Are they putting that on a PCB? Yeah, it's on a PCB. I don't think PCB is the right word. Right, it's, it's on, on a PC. little Linux computer. Yes, uh huh. Just some kind of little boutique computer, you know.
0: Do you have any interest and, in kind of the. Newer releases, you know, things like Don Maku Limited 3, any of the newer shmups are. Or... Yeah.
2: That's going to be on there too, I think.
1: Am I, is that true?
0: I have no idea. We're going to have to interview the guy who made that game, have him on the podcast and confirm whether or not. Oh,
1: I would love to. <laughs> I follow that guy on Instagram. But that, because I like that game. And it's just, it's such a, I mean, you know, you're doing a podcast about this. I've always collected this stuff. I don't have anyone to share this culture with, you know. Mm-hmm. I've actually, it's, it's, I think it's so interesting that there is kind of like this cultural element to something that's so widespread. I've never been part of something that, that just had a few people spread around the globe that want to tune into it. I can't think, I mean, like people that like a certain rock and roll band or something, that's not even like that. It's like, it's an extreme version of that, you know?
0: Um, There's, as far, like, for speedrunning, you know, five years ago, I actually knew a little bit about it, uh-huh. and I was, I fancied myself, like a super good, super Metroid speedrunner, and then I realized, oh, um, no, I'm not. I'm pretty good, but compared to these days, absolutely not. And so... Um, yes, on My hopes, honestly, is that maybe Shmups can have a similar experience where, you know, out of nowhere, there's just this huge spike in interest and people start, you know, taking the genre more seriously. Mm-hmm. We get more developers interested into it, seeing it as a more financially successful venture,
1: you know. Yeah, because I speed run um, Strider and
2: Castlevania. <laughs> I do, but
1: not not like I mean, but by speed I just you know play them as fast as I can. I don't, you know, I don't, I just... right?
0: <laughs> yeah, like it's like shmups where <laughs> there's those speedrunners who they're they're breaking down the frames, they're breaking down all the yeah. hidden mechanics. I know
2: I'm what you're on. saying
0: though, because I'm very casual with my speedrunning too. It's like basically I'm gonna try to just play the game as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah. I am a casual speedrunner,
0: right? <laughs> with some games, but anyways, about
1: um, cultural focal points like you're describing, I I have one. I have a vision for that too, which is this kind. I have a feeling, I have like a a view on the whole thing that uh, that I don't think shmups are getting less popular or anything. I think more and more people are knowing about them all the time. I think you're right. I would agree and with that. Yeah, and they're blowing up, and they're getting more and more accessible, and more people know about them. Um, I mean, just because, like, ten years ago, only I did. Only I did. But now, anyone who knows me also does, you know?
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, ten years ago, I think I'm a good example of this. Just in the past five years is when I kind of got interested in playing shmups more seriously. And before then, I knew about them, but I was like, eh, whatever. So. Uh
1: Well, anyways, I think that um, they're getting. You know, more people are learning about them. But there is like um, kind of certain bottom of bottom of the barrel. I think the best stuff in life happens at the bottom of the barrel, where like you hit rock bottom, and then the ladder you use to climb out is like a, a permission ladder. Like once you have bottomed out, you're like, well, I guess I could just do anything. And these are all things you never thought of doing. You know? And it yeah. has to do with um, the arcades have like this. The medium for all this stuff is arcade kind of it's arcade and home consoles that, that are gone, you know? And that's the bottom that's the that's rock bottom, I think. And I think that it's that kind of perception that has led those people to start making those arcade hardwares. I think that attitude that led to Dan MacQu three or whatever it's called, you know? Yeah. Like that some people are kind of like going out on a limb and like focusing their their art into stuff that doesn't exist anymore because they feel like they have permission to do it now. it's rock bottom. And And I think there's going to be an artistic revival. That's kind of what I think.
0: And do you think that is just with Shmups, or do you think with arcades as well?
1: I think with arcades, but I think Shmups are included. Well, it it actually has nothing to do with Shmups. It has to do with just this attitude that anything goes, because, I mean, if you wanted to do something for the arcade, if those people who made Skycursor, if they wanted to engage the arcade, that's the last kind of game they would ever make. They would just straight up Go make a dance game or a race car game. Like that's that's what they're right. doing. Right, right. But since the irrelevance level has like you know peaked out so much, they kind of like have permission to do what they want instead of doing it for business.
0: Because it's not a guarantee that if you throw out some race car game, you're going to make money. Not yeah, like a, not of like the possibility
1: the day. of making money on a race car game. There's the guarantee that they will not make any money on a shmup, and then that, that gives you the permission to go ahead and make your shmup because you're not doing it for the money anymore. You're doing it for artistic reasons, you know? and that opens up a lot of doors.
0: And so one thing I wanted to ask you about, too, is you mentioned to me before talking that uh, you had a little experience with kind of developing your own shmup. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. Well, first, can you tell me about your game maker? Oh, <laughs> sure. Absolutely. So that would contextualize it cuz I I I got to drop this major bomb. So tell me about the <laughs> tell me about the game maker.
0: Okay. So I have a little bit of experience with programming as well. Um it actually started prior to my interest in shmups. I was going uh-huh. to build. I've always been interested in programming video games for a long time. Uh-huh. And I've had all these ideas, but poor knowledge of a lot of coding and things like that. And a few years ago, I just finally was like, you know what, I'm going to learn some coding and I'm going to learn how to program some stuff. Uh-huh. And so I ended up working on quite a few kind of games, styles of games that, like, some basic fighting games, some basic platformer games and things uh-huh. like that.
2: Whoa.
0: But for one, I have to say, fighting games are a pain in the ass. They are super hard to program. <laughs> so... Uh-huh. It sounds like there'd be a lot of Oh my like, gosh. It's a lot. A <laughs> it's a lot. And so I, I got through actually quite a bit of it. But then I was like, how long? I mean, this is going to take years. And the stupid thing about fighting games is like, pe- a lot of people won't just pick up a fighting game and play it. Like, mm-hmm. it's got to have a bit of a reputation. So yeah. I was like, I just got really discouraged. So I, I started getting into shmups and I was like, you know what? Programming shmups, you know, that would that might be more more rewarding, a little easier. In some ways, it is easier. In some ways, it's not. Uh-huh. But I actually do have an alpha build of a shmup I've put together. That's um, it's honestly like a fusion of three shmups. Like the code from three shmups. I was like, okay, I've worked on three. Let's just put them together into one. Uh huh. The challenge for me hasn't actually been the coding. i I felt like I've gotten a really good knack for it. The challenge for me has always been the art because I am not an artist. <laughs> Uh And so I've had to cobble together sprites from all kinds of different sources, like cut them out of traditional paintings or art Uh books and things like that, scan them in and do some editing there. I think it turned out pretty cool, but I do spend a lot of time on more than I'd like on doing stuff like that. So Uh at this point, I'm kind of putting the brakes on it while I'm working on this podcast, but I work on it still every now and again, try to improve it. It's basically uh, kind of a clone of a cave-style game, but I've added a okay. few things that I think are cool, like a sword mechanic, like from uh, Radiant Silvergun, right? You get the uh-huh. sword uh-huh. and stuff like that. I'll put I'll throw up a video of it, but and maybe a build yeah, everyone can play. To it. I want to
1: see what it's like, too.
0: Yeah, I'll throw up a video of it. And uh, where did
1: you get all the, the art, basically? Like, it's kind of collaged from...
0: It's collaged from like art books of like traditional paintings and cuz I have a lot of artists in my in my wife's side of the family uh-huh and they have all this talent that they're not willing to draw sprite art for me uh-huh. and they leave poor me to try and figure it out but yeah so I'm pretty good at like digital digitally editing stuff but not good uh-huh. at just drawing so I found these old traditional paintings Did you fly a spaceship It's like a... I don't know what he is. He's like a
1: samurai
0: shepherd type guy.
1: And it's made in Game Maker.
0: Yeah, I used Game Maker.
1: Well, I'm almost scared to get into it, but I gotta... To describe where I'm coming from or mine, these are the... Well, I gotta give you the background. Because this is like... I perceive all this stuff as being so cutting edge that it's... that it's almost science fiction in, in real. It's like a... It's like a retro retro science fiction movie. It's like a science fiction movie about an alternate universe in the past. It's that crazy. But here's the details. Um, I've just wanted to make a game since I was 12, you know? Mm -hmm. Like lots of people. Yep. Um, it's 2018. I'm 43, so I've been alive for a long time. You know, I not even, not even able to imagine a future of 2018. You know, it's like such a big number. And we should be in flying cars now and stuff like that, you know?
0: I know, back to Tele- the future. Teleporting
1: Come on, around. <laughs> but um, one thing that doesn't exist, as far as I know, is a program that a layperson can use to make an interactive puppet show. Basically a video game, you know? And maybe that's an exaggeration. There probably is stuff like that. There's stuff like that on my kids' iPads. Right. There's nothing like that that would make a game like you're trying to make on Game Maker. Just my whole life I've been researching that. I've been, I've been searching and looking and looking and looking for, it, for something that would unlock that medium, you know, just making a video game. And it turns out, I discovered this a year ago, but nine years before that, there's a couple that live in England named John and Karen, and one time, and they made video games for like a bunch of British companies just as labor force, you know, yeah. and they, um, and they decided, and I mean, I'm, I'm telling this, like, I know by heart, but I, you know, I just barely know these people, but I, I read this on their website, but it says, um, they were, <laughs> the guy says, John, his name's John. He said he was talking to his friend and, he, and his 12 year old was showing him some pictures from his video game. He was imagining, you know what I mean?
2: Uh-huh.
1: All 12 year olds do. And then he was like, ding, ding, I'm a programmer. Maybe I could do that. Maybe this is down my alley, you know? maybe I should make a game so 12-year-olds can realize their, you know, so they can move their art around on screen. And then that was 10 years ago, and they quit their jobs slowly over the next decade, and they've been focusing on this program. And the status of this program is that, if I, I don't know if I'm exaggerating, exaggerating plus or minus, but I'd say it's like 70% done.
0: Oh, it's still in development then.
1: Yeah, yeah, far in development. So it's like, you know, 70, I mean, many of the things on it don't work, even though they're there. It's just in an, an extreme beta, you know? And this program that they've been working on slowly for 10 years is called Shoot'em Up Kit, and it's on Steam. And I think that anybody who, like, tried to interface with this program would just kind of be shocked that something works, totally discouraged that anything doesn't work. And if they, like, went through it as much as I have, they'd just be like, Amazed that it exists without working all the way and also working quite a bit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And in programming, that's crazy. Like, everything has to work or else it's done. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, um, so it's not done, but they're trying to get it done and they, and it's released. It's available to the public. It costs like 30 or 40 bucks. Anyways, a year ago, I went out on a limb and I was like, I'm just going to buy this program and I got, excited. you know, I'll waste, I'll waste 40 bucks on this program, basically. <laughs> 40 bucks in the toilet. So I bought the program. I started working on it. I kind of like started to grip my teeth a little bit more and more thinking, oh, there's, I got to be able to figure this out. There's got to be a way that I can make this work. It's also, I, uh, for me, really hard to use. But, you know, like, I mean, you practice and get through parts, you know, that, that has to do, that speaks to your personality as a programmer, too. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't learn nor spell a single line of programming to save my life like I'd 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 walk away you know because I don't don't have the personality to do it so I tried that a little bit too just a tiny tiny bit but I took all that same tenacity and that same ridiculous focus and put it into this half done program and I made this arcade game that is like just a complete finished arcade game as a program but that's that's you know the The smallest facet of it. It's also like in a cabinet and you play it and you put in a quarter and you play it. That's all. And I'm building my second copy now to try to sell to the barcade in town. That's it.
0: I have a a few questions about it just because, okay, my game is super alpha and there's one stage that doesn't even have a boss. It's like you get, you fight all the enemies, get to the end of the stage. It's like, good job. Uh So does yours have complete stages, you know? Uh, with it's boss five, fights and
1: everything like that? It's five long levels with bosses. Some of them have multiple bosses in them. And there's kind of five big sections, but a couple of them are split into two smaller sections. It's a, it's full. It's like a full... It's probably wow. as long as... Let's see how long is Doran Pechidaeju. It's probably like... Five stages. Like 60... Uh, 70% as big as Doran Pechidaeju. Like, it takes it takes twenty 25 minutes to play through. Wow. And 25 minutes of
0: intense blasting. <laughs> I think I saw a clip of it. It's a vertical, right? It's horizontal. Oh, horizontal. Of course. I meant to say that. Sorry. I actually meant to say horizontal. Because <laughs> it has the Salt Lake City <laughs> skyline in the background, right?
1: Yeah, okay. Well, all that, that monologue I just gave, that's the, I mean, that stuff. I tried to say it as slow and with as much gravity as I could. Because that's, um,
0: you were pulling because me in with the gravity. I
1: can't even say it out loud without being shocked. Not shocked that I was able to make this game or shocked that it turned out a certain way or, or anything, but shocked that that was the only way I could do it. That, that it's an absolutely unlocked medium. And, and and with my game, I've kind of unlocked it a tiny bit because I think I'm the first person who's done it on with them. Right. And... They're the, I, as far as I know, they're the first person who has done what they're doing. And this is like in a world of a billion people. With I don't know how did I say a billion? It's I'm like sure a, you know, you know problems. what I'm saying. <clears throat> I'm shocked. That, like I mean, and by the same token, like there's only one Photoshop, but that's actually not true because there's some Photoshop copies. It's like if you want to do Photoshop, you might maybe have a choice of like a handful of programs. Oh yeah. Why isn't there a hundred photoshops? You know what I mean? And by the same token, like I was able to pull this off with a 70% done video game. And it's, and it's why, why isn't there a hundred of those? I mean, as soon as when they invented video games, how come they didn't start inventing programs like this?
0: So I wanted to ask you, what are kind of the mechanics of it? As far as are you having, is it kind of like a old school type shooter or do you have in beams and power-ups? How does that work?
1: Well, I'll leave the, uh, that's. I'll leave the background, but this. I, I mean, I can't even stress enough this the experience of this game and just the, the fact that it exists. I'm, I'm perceiving is the most cutting edge thing in the whole universe. Just like those guys who made Sky Cursor, that's actually pretty cutting edge too. I think you know, for them to do... like they're the only ones who've done it too. <clears throat> okay, so anyway, I'm totally nerding out on that because I'm just I because I'm shocked. But anyways, to the game, the interesting details about the game. I got. I gotta tell you that after I tell you these other details. Okay. <laughs> They're so crazy. One detail is it is made 100% of, with collage, like yours. I didn't draw any of the art. I'm, I'm working, on, and I'm an. I'm actually am an artist, but I can't. I could. I can't draw like Schmups. I wanted to turn it out a certain way. You know. I'm actually working on a second one now. that just kind of has art that it turns out the way I'm able to do it, which is you know a lot different than. You know, like a I guess yours turned out really different than what you'd expect, too. But anyways, it's a hundred percent Google collage. There's a, a little sentence at the beginning of the game that says, "All rights reserved via uh, all rights reserved by original artists via Google." Meaning, I don't really believe in intellectual property. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't view the thing as a commodity that's protected. I view it as an art piece that is doesn't need protection. You know what I'm saying?
0: I understand what you're saying.
1: I'm going to get some blowback from that at some point. Like that Blazing Star on my on that on that link, the Blazing Star boss, right? Yeah. On the picture, he's in it. The dinosaur from Strider is in it also. Um, just tons of other people's art is in the game. <laughs> and yeah, is it's, this you said from it's... from sprites? I would go Google. i go Google animated animated GIF. You know,
2: uh
1: huh. From Google, that's how I made the game.
2: Okay, I see what you're articles, saying,
1: you know, and it doesn't look cohesive as, I mean, you know, it's collage. You look at it and you're like, this is kind of a collage. It's also kind of like a mashup or like a remix, you know, you could view it from that perspective too.
0: Well, it sounds like you've, you've got it in your own setup in an, on an arcade cabinet.
1: I mean. Oh yeah. I don't think you could sue anyone for a collage. <laughs> and, and I mean, and it's not appropriate to use this art in a video game but I I really do view it as a collage it's like
0: an art piece you know. So. Yeah, I, get, I understand what you're saying. How long did it take?
1: Uh 600 hours. And that would have been um if the program was uh, was done it'd be like 200 hours.
0: Oh, okay. If so you, you did a lot sense. you did a lot of battling against like debug yeah, and stuff like that.
1: It was incredibly difficult and I was in touch with those two the makers of the program, the creators. Uh, like they would help me all the time, and they would like you know, tr- like if I was up against a brick wall, they would try to fix that part of the program so I could proceed and stuff like that. You that's know,
0: that's we crazy. That's like that's crazy to think about because, I mean, you, when you think about using programs these days, like let's say we're listening to this podcast and Audacity crashed and died, I call Audacity hey. up, they're going to be like, "Who are you? <laughs> what do you want?" Yeah,
1: they're not going to fix the program <laughs> for you. No. But these guys are so far out on a limb. I mean, they, they're they selling their program, which anyone would just say, this is garbage, you know. And they're selling it, and they're available. And they're doing it, of course, so they can interact with people and get it fixed up better. Like, they, they recognize that they need people to use it to see what's missing from it, you know what right.
0: I mean? Right. So was it a challenge with, uh, like, figuring out the enemy AI and things like that or bullet patterns? How did that work?
1: Well, that's the other thing too. Um, since there's no programming, did I mention that? There's no yes. programming. Yes. Yes. Like a hundred percent, you know, you gotta use their structure. Okay. And, um, and as far as that goes, and the structure's not finished. So it's just totally, you know, some just discovering what works is just a crazy process, you know? And, um, their, their palette of possibilities, you know, mm-hmm. is really quite wide. Like I, you know, like I was saying, probably 70% of it works and I was, and I probably couldn't even use that much. It was just, I, i just, I can't even, my lips won't even move because it was such a numbingly horrific process to try to get anything out of it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, every AI was like pre-scripted. It was actually, it's kind of like, you know, when you're using something that has, where, where you don't really have control over anything but the colors you have in the, box. It's like, and in this context, it's like having a bunch of little robots and you try to set them up in predictable ways, you know? And they do their own thing, you just have to arrange them. So the arrangement, I don't know how to describe it. The enemy formation. On a fine scale, less composition, more arrangement of precomposed things. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I thought, you know, part of, the huge challenge would be, when I did my game, would just be programming AI and things like that. Uh-huh. But after I got them programmed... I spent just as much time figuring out how to arrange them in the map. <laughs> I was like, holy crap, this is harder than I thought. Yeah. Because, you know, you put four or five too many enemies in a weird spot, and all of a sudden it just doesn't feel right, or it's too easy, and then you're like, oh, let me fix that. Then it's way too hard.
1: <laughs> yeah. I consider that to be like the artistry that goes into all these maps. That's why Don't On is so good is because it's so finely arranged. Yeah, you, you, know? can,
0: you can tell develop, especially when you consider that, you know, with the comboing, how you can combo through, like, most, almost all the stages, you know, I think all of them, they yeah. had to really well, that- meticulously set that up <laughs> to make that possible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They didn't just conceive that, they, like, tried it, uh, tried it and adjusted it tried it and adjusted it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of my process, too, trying and adjusting And man, it sure was, was hard. When I finished my game, when I worked on it, when I made it, I had a major enlightenment. Like, uh, it, I, you know, you 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 already probably have this perspective as you do programming, but just knowing how difficult it is to make something move to the left, you know, mm-hmm. it's like I, I I kind of it's like someone took sunglasses off of me, and every time I look at any video game, I'm shocked
2: at how.
1: How fancy it is.
0: How complicated all that stuff is, yeah. Yeah,
1: Before, I just thought, you know, I took all that for granted. Now I can't see anything without just being like, I can't believe someone manually did that, you know?
0: Yeah, I actually had a very similar experience to that, (laughs) where the thing I struggled with for weeks is, you know, the Dodonpachi laser? Uh Uh-huh. Programming something like that is actually really challenging. Uh Like, all the different things that happen with it, because first it's got to shoot out of your ship it's got to have uh-huh. its own unique sprite cycle, and then when it hits uh-huh. something, it's got to create a hit and then uh-huh. if something f- this was a big trip up for me let's say you're hitting a boss, or like a large enemy with your laser, and something uh-huh. flies in the middle of your laser in Dodonpachi, your laser will shoot back, you know, it will fall back uh-huh. and hit the thing that flew in front of it uh-huh. well, for my game, for like weeks it would just fly through the laser <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I was like oh, this is jank <laughs> and the problem is i could not figure out how to get it. i finally figured it out but it took forever like how to get the laser to go back and hit the thing that flew in front of it yeah or well, like the stuff. Or you'd like, never
1: see that unless you tried to do it you'd never yeah, see that you in any you'd game. just
0: you just think naturally the game would figure the laser would just move itself but uh-huh. or like you mentioned moving left to right another yeah. thing i noticed is um like if you play later shmups like the cave shmups and things like that, uh-huh. you'll notice that when you press left or right, you're, there's a little bit of inertia where your ship doesn't just go full speed instantly. It kind of has like a real vehicle where it slowly accelerates a little bit uh-huh. so that you have a lot more control. But if you play something uh-huh. like Gradius or the older school shmups, if you just uh-huh. press left, it hits full speed. The second you press, it's like... Whoosh. So uh-huh. it, it feels like slippery compared to that. Uh-huh. And so I spent a ton of time figuring out how to make your ship do that little acceleration before it hit in full speed. And it makes a huge well, difference.
2: Yeah, well, I bet
1: there was more code in that than the going right, you know? Right. I, I don't know. I'm, I shouldn't I should speak on that stuff. But <laughs> I made an arcade game. Oh, and then, so you asked about, do you want to know, like, about how the game works a little bit? Yeah. I'm a total nerd, so I can't talk very fast about it. <laughs> but the, um, So here's the basic details. In the game, the gameplay is your character. One, one kind of thing I've been trying to experiment with is different input methods for shmups. Mm-hmm. Like giant joysticks that you hold in your hand, like a flight stick and stuff like that. The cabinet that I play on my shmups at at home is a sit-down cabinet with a big flight stick but you hold in your right hand a big bomb dropper you you pull in your left hand. And it's from a... Well, yeah, what's it from? It's from a Thunderblade cabinet. okay. It's a Thunderblade joystick, and then the accelerometer on the Thunderblade is now a big bomb dropper. And that seems silly because I think that's really counterintuitive because why would you want less control when playing schmucks? You know what I mean? Because that's what you get when you use these crazy things, you know?
0: Sure, like the flight stick.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but a
0: a hard, a hardcore person, maybe even someone like myself, you handed me that flight stick, I'd throw it up, I'd throw it over my shoulder and be like, okay, bring me an arcade stick, dude.
2: (laughs) I wouldn't be able
1: to use it. But the um, the two things that kind of have been on my mind is number one, I actually am good at it. I like you kind of just like anything you take for granted that it took you a long time to learn how to use a joystick too.
0: Oh yeah, Absolutely.
1: And I'm actually pretty good at the flight stick and it's not, I don't, I don't feel like it's a hindrance at all. But the other thing is, I, um, I kind of crave a little more physical involvement. Like I want to use bigger muscles as, as I do it. And yeah. it kind of feels a little more engaging to me. So I guess my imagination is diminished a little bit as I get older. So I want to like do more, you know.
0: I always thought it'd be cool. I don't know why they've never made this, but like an arcade stick with rumble. So, like, yeah. your ship gets hit and the, the cabinet shakes, like, oh, shit, you just got hit, you know?
1: Well, the Thunderblade one actually has Yeah, Thunderblade will do that. It's not active. I don't, it's not in mine. But I've been, I, I, like, I, in my cabinets, when I'm building my cabinets, I've experimented with, like, trying to do stuff like that. I have, like, I have a machine gun cabinet where you shoot, you know, I have a light gun. Oh, yeah. I had to build a, a mechanism inside there that would make it vibrate like a machine gun.
0: Oh, that's cool. What game is it for? <laughs>
1: it's just for MAME, but I play, um... Oh, jeez, I can't remember what it's called.
0: L.A. Machine Guns? That's my guess.
1: Oh, this is embarrassing, because it's, like, the only one I play on there. I play Alien 3 a little bit on there. Oh, okay. And I play... It's called Space. It's a Taito game called Space something. And it's, like, an alien's knockoff. This is really embarrassing. I can't think of the name of it. But anyways, I like the big controls. So on, so on my game... The control is a flight stick. It's it's actually the joystick the joystick model that they have on Tron. It's like this kind of like tall, uh. tall handle grip with a big thumb button, you know, and a trigger.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's what you hold in your right hand, and then there's a palm dropper on the left.
0: And you were able to program that onto your cabinet.
1: Well, it just uses normal controls. I I, I mean that thing's decoded with uh just you know turns it turns up into W and left into A, you know. And then, um, the last detail is it's the game is about, so I played in, my little brother had this jazz band that was kind of this modern artsy jazz band. And we would play out on the streets in different spots every Friday night at midnight during the summers for years, like these guerrilla shows.
2: Uh-huh. I like can play under the, under the, un, under the freeway overpass, or we'd play like in this like
1: skyscraper Courtyard, you know, when the security guard wasn't there, and we'd <laughs> play in these parking garages, or we'd play in the footprint of this building they tore down, you know. Um, and tons of people would come to these shows, just all totally underground stuff. And the game is a document of that. That is cool. Oh, uh, the music of the game is the music that we that we would play.
0: Are the enemies uh, crossing guards and Mall cops no, and
1: stuff it's, like that. It's more abstract. So, here's the abstract part. So, <laughs> it's my little brother in his like kind of branding, like when he would advertise his shows and stuff, he'd use polar bear imagery all the time. Kind of, and, and you know, he'd be kind of open about like, you know, my spirit animal's the polar bear or whatever. And, and he would always kind of pose the polar bear like it was him, you know, in the flyers and stuff. Um, and he's, of course, like, he's off the deep end himself. I mean, <laughs> He's some crazy musician who does these ridiculous shows out on the streets and, and um, you know, uh, kind of deals with extreme isolation and alienation all the time. That's kind of like a polar bear. I think that's why he kind of picked that animal, you know?
2: Uh-huh.
1: But anyways, in the game, you play as him in a polar bear suit through, like, the locations that, you know, that we used to play in. That's yeah. awesome. I'm typing this in right now. Let's see.
0: So, my question is, is the sequel going to feature your spirit animal?
1: Yes. The sequel is going to be about my band. This is about my brother's band. And then I have this band I've been doing for like 20 years. And it's going to be about that. And it's (laughs) going to have a spaceship. My spirit animal is a spaceship, of course. Are you a little impressed that I guessed that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just getting started on it. I'm just trying to like, you know, it'll be a real hurdle for me to make my second copy of this. And then, I'll, you know, I'll start just moving on the next one. But that's kind of my new art form is making arcade cabinets as if they were a real thing. And I always use old cabinets and re- redo them. I, when I was, was going to make some copies of this, I was like, I racked my brain for how can I make a cool cabinet. But, you know, what cool design could I come up with that would make the cabinet special, you know, since I'm starting from scratch.
0: I have a and suggestion. I, yeah. Yeah. Make the, okay, you know how there's the part of the cabinet that the screen fits in? Like, you put uh-huh. the screen inside? Make that the open mouth of a bear.
1: So, it's like...
2: <laughs> well, I almost did that. <laughs>
1: the cabinet I'm working on now has um, two big things on the side, and they're polar bear arms on the side of the cabinet.
2: Oh, that's sick.
1: It does look a little bit like a giant polar bear. I was <laughs> going to do a face, but I think I actually kind of had to use some speaker room at the top, so I'm not going to face but I But I thought of doing that. And I do have a favorite cabinet. I'll come right up if I just Google it one time. It's called the, um, it's not the universal cabinet. It's a Sega cabinet. Maybe it is the, no, it's taller than that one. It's a Sega cabinet that's like a tall kind of Western-sized cabinet. But it has, um, it kind of has two angled bars on the sides. And then the computer is in a, in a separate section down at the bottom. And the monitor is in a separate section at the top. Called the Universal, Universal Upright Cabinet.
2: So, anyways, I was going to
1: try to make a cool cabinet, and then I thought um, at the last second, I was like, it just popped into my head. The problem with arcades is that they're consumer products, they're consumables. Like, their arcade buys them, makes their money, throws them in the garbage. That's the reason why the artistry isn't up front in arcades in the first place, you know? Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm using only old cabinets, repurposed, you know? And my attitude is if someone walks into the arcade and sees one of these games, the normal person will say, what is that piece of garbage over there, you know? Uh-huh. And the enlightened person will say, ooh, that's the reason I like arcades in the first place is because of stuff like that. Okay, I'm going to put a
0: scenario to you. So uh-huh. you make your cabinet, you stick it out and let's say, a mom. A mom comes by, she's got her two kids, she sees that cabinet, she's horrified. She's like, what is this? Get away from that, kids. You know, you're going to get hurt. Uh-huh. And then you get someone who maybe grew up in the arcades, misses the arcades. He goes to the mall and just dreams about seeing the arcades again. And he walks in and sees your cabinet. It's just going to be
1: like, holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. And they say that reminds me of another cabinet. Right. It's made out of of another cabinet. The (laughs) The one, the polar, so there's a cabinet called star Wars pod racer. And it has, it happens to have these two big metal or not metal, these two big wooden kind of slats on the sides. And those are my polar bear arms now.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So, how were you finding all these old arcade cabinets? You mentioned you'd find them. You look the up garbage in the garbage, right? Uh huh. What year was this? Kind of steadily over the years. Like, was there always arcade park garbage to find, or was it
1: there? I I think there always was. I mean, there, like I, I think that every if you can find an arcade distributor, you know, which I mean, there still aren't any. I, I right. I, I have to go do it again every week as an errand to go do it because I don't know if you read at the bottom of that page about the game, but I'm working on a couple other games. So I got to go pick up some more cabinets just currently. And I'm going to go across down to the distributor and see if they have this. But they always, in my experience, they've always had cabinets from the previous decade sitting around, you know, like they they don't dare to throw them away, but they're just garbage. You know, so they put them in a shout out back or something. Yeah. The last cabinets I got, we're going in the dumpster and I rescued it. Like, you know, I said, I'll buy those. And I bought them for 50 bucks and kind of, and th- he was lifting him into the dumps- dumpster at that moment, you know? So they really are garbage. <laughs> yeah. I have a racing, one of my cabinets in my house is like a, or like a race car, you know, like a sit down cabinet with a steering wheel. The control panel has like a nice steering wheel with the buttons on the side and a nice four-gear shifter on the right, you know? And I, that's something that I got out of the garbage last time I was over there, which was, like, half a year ago. And after the guy left, I climbed up in the dumpster. It was, like, a two-story-tall dumpster, you know, the tall kind? Mm-hmm. And I grabbed that control panel thinking, like, maybe I'll use this, you know? And I threw it in my car. And um it, it, the dumpster had, like, ten of those in it. Oh, really? those control panels that are like, you know, kind of these priceless, irreplaceable things. And they're. Like, I wish I would have grabbed a couple because I'd make another race car game right now. But, um, yeah, it's, it's consumed. They're consumable. They're consumables. Right. They go in the package when they're done. But not mine. Mine's an art piece. It's going to last forever.
0: That's awesome. You have that local arcade, too, that you can place them in.
1: Yeah, I'm really lucky to live, um, near that, you know, Near somebody who, kind of has his finger on that pulse, you know.
0: Because I live in uh, a
1: miracle.
0: My nearest arcade is in Boise. Uh-huh. Every time I go, it's still it's still going, but every time I go, it's like watching uh, ice sculpture melt. You know, it's like one. It's like, oh, what cabinet's gone today? It's like, oh no, this cabinet's gone. And then I go back a month later. What cabinet's gone? You know, they're just slowly. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're just slowly melting away until. Yeah, there's nothing left.
1: <laughs> the monitors, the monitors are breaking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the monitors, are, a monitor will be out, and that's it for that cabinet. Which yeah. one do you go? To? I know, I know those arcades up there because we go. Pojos. Uh, which one? Pojos. I don't know that one, but we, as musicians, we travel through Boise every once in a while, and we play at the Shredder and we play at the Underground.
0: When it comes to, you know, when you're building your own cabinets and stuff, it sounds like you're kind of, you're choosing, like you said, you're using Tron joysticks and that bomb dropper, which looked awesome, by the way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When I I looked at the cabinet in the video, I was like, it just... That was one of the gear shifters I got out of that dumpster. I think it's really cool how you're putting a kind of an artistic touch on something that even myself, I'll admit, I'm just trying to boil it down to a science, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to replicate the original and you're kind of putting a more... Like putting more personality into it, thinking outside the box, I think that's really cool and something that more people such as myself should consider doing.
1: Well, the reason I think where that comes from in me is because I've grown up, the emotion I've felt as I've engaged all this stuff and identified with all this stuff is just absolute alienation. Like I'm the only, you know, like I don't have any friends to do this with or anything. So I think it's really natural to kind of want to make it as personal as possible because I've been alone the whole time.
0: Right. And you don't yeah. have a you don't have a scene of people coming over and being like, "Dude, you need to use this part. You need to use this." No, no, yeah, no. Exactly. Don't don't change that. Oh no, you're ruining the the, you know, <laughs> you are ruining this or that.
1: I don't even have a mall to go to to see what the real ones like, you know. Yeah. Cuz they're, you know, cuz they're extinct. So it's kind of like yeah, reinvented.
0: So, uh what do you identify as the period that you enjoyed the most going to the arcade or the arcade games you enjoyed the most?
1: Since, since I made that game and since I've kind of been enlightened to like the beauty of all games, you know, I'm just like a little baby. And, uh, when I look at them and I, I like, like the stupidest, the some dumb race car game that I would think was so dumb. I actually, I, I think it's very charming or radical or cool now, you know,
0: like cruising USA or something. I'll,
1: yeah. So I'm, I'm like kind of next level on that stuff. All of a sudden. But if I could just go back one year before I started working on that, then it would the answer would just be very clearly like nineteen eighty nine to nineteen ninety two or something. Right. Kind of um, everything then was so, so so narrative and so fresh and so like that's when they made Ghosts and Goblins and Yeah. Rider and Raiden Two and I don't know. I can't think of the very best games from... uh that's when they made, like, the... That's when they made Aliens, the arcade game. Yeah. That game. Really magical. Um, And the graphics were just getting, like, kind of really beautiful in their own right. Like, just a couple years before, the graphics were, like, kind of abstract and clunky. A couple years later, the graphics didn't really matter, because it was just a street with a race car, you know what I mean? And then, um... And then I just kind of missed the art, the fighting games and stuff. I never really played like Street Fighter 2 and stuff like that very much. But that's, all that stuff is from that era and all, like the whole, all the heritage of like all the fighting games before the polygons, you know, kind of harken to that age. They don't really make them more beautiful than that. They just make them like, you know, arcade, 1993 level arcade beauty is like that, that kind of aesthetic was carried all the way into like, the latest fighting games, you know, besides the polygons. Yeah,
0: very true. Example.
1: You know, like the... Did you ever play the King of Fighters series? Like, those are, like, yes. very modern. They still make those, and they all kind of look, you know, not much finer finer than Street Fighter 2, just a, a little bit more polished, you know, but not right. any really different.
0: Still using that sprite art. Yeah. They did until very recently, and then they uh, went downhill with this horrible, horrible... 3D animation, and I'm not just saying that because I dislike 3D. I mean it's actually horrible. It looks like it belongs on the PS2. Uh
1: huh. But the but they the, do they make it look just like the sprite, but 3D instead. I
0: That's wish. Like no, it console. looks. It just looks bad. It looks really cheap. It was made by some Chinese company that bought oh, out yeah. that bought out SNK. But before that, uh, King of Fighters 14 had gorgeous hand-drawn sprites. It it's insane oh, how how beautiful that game was.
1: Uh, yeah, well, that's I consider that to be an echo of 1991, you know? Absolutely. That's, that's, that's the era that I'm in love with.
0: And a lot of those games, as far as finding cabinets, at least for me, it's hard to find those cabinets. Like, the only cabinets I ever run across now are kind of the cabinets I grew up with. So uh-huh. they'd be more like, you know, X-Men. You know that beat up X-Men Apocalypse, I think it is? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, and like stuff from that area. Which that's, I really enjoyed. That's but.
1: that's from the same era, but that's not it's not the best stuff. Like, um I I recognize a void too, like for some reason, um any game that they like I I don't know the numbers, but if they made like five hundred of a cabinet, you know, like I'm just looking on the computer screen that there's altered beast, that's like the most beautiful game. They probably they probably made five hundred of those and they probably made two thousand X Men apocalypses, you know what I mean? So yeah. it remains. But all the altered beasts are gone. Yeah, so there's a void, and also, I don't know, I, I, I actually can't put my finger on why this, except for maybe the people that are, like, starting barcades and stuff are older than me or something like that,
2: because it's really common to see a lot of
1: classic games yes. being honored, Yes. but the 1990 games are just history, you know?
0: Yeah, they've kind of fallen in that dark hole of where'd the arcade cabinets go? <laughs> yeah, Totally. Yeah, there's some arcade cabinets, too, that I grew up with, and, um, you know, they broke down and got thrown away, and now I haven't seen them in years. I'm trying to think of one that I really enjoyed that was like that.
1: Ooh, I have a fave. You know the one, Forgotten Worlds? Uh-huh. That one is, like, one of those kind of Holy Grail cabinets, and I went to... My brother, since since that game, (laughs) since we were in that band, he moved to Los Angeles. I go visit him sometimes, there's a barcade around the corner from the, his house, and they have this Forgotten Worlds cabinet there, and it was so good. It was like walking into the Louvre or something like that and seeing this masterpiece cabinet there. Is it pretty hard to find, or is it just one that you really enjoy? I've never, see, I've never seen it. I, I'll, okay. I'll probably, I, don't, I don't think there's another one. I mean, you know, I don't know where you'd go to find another one. Right. It's like, they're that rare. I mean, like, uh, if you visited every... Arcade in the country, some of these games you might find one copy of. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's what I believe. Well, you're probably right. Or none. I mean, I, I, I don't believe there'd be none, but I'd hate to think that. But, you know, maybe maybe there's none in a barcade, but there's one left in, some, in someone's house. Yeah, I mean, that's, some collector. That's a collector's got
0: hold of it. So my yeah. final question is, you know, as we've learned more about you, you know, you have a lot of you have a lot of experience as an artist. I would like to ask you about kind of your viewpoints on what sets, what kind of intrigues you about Schmups artistically? Like what about, what is it about them specifically that catches your interest?
1: Um, well, the, the, the gameplay is so visceral. Like, you know, it's just, it's primal. It's just like, I, have always viewed shmups as being kind of, uh, an image of the animal journey, you know, where you just have to survive and then die at the end. And they're um, with not, with no other real details, you know, like that's, that's the the plot of every shmup basically. Anyways, that's this very visceral thing. It, It really engages you at a, you know, caveman level. And, um, I think the art has kind of reflected that. I think in general, shmups kind of have cool art. It's t- The game, I don't know, it's tied into the gameplay. It's just like, it's just spaceships are so cool. It, you know what? It has nothing to do with the spaceships. It's the lasers and the explosions. <laughs> they are more exciting than any fighter pose.
0: I I definitely know where you're coming from. Like, if you play kind of a badge mup, I'll say, one of the things I always dislike about badge The when you blow up an enemy, it's just like, a little pop or a little puff of smoke. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, and like the good ones, there's just flames and the screen shatters. And you know what I mean? It's very satisfying to get the hits and the kills.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's it. And that's why I'm having a hard time defining it. Because, because you don't even perceive an explosion as being an object, you know? Yeah. It's just a visceral flash. And I Speaking have to of, say, watching oh, your yeah, shmup,
0: yeah. that thing's got some seriously satisfying lasers and stuff going on in it. That that was Which awesome. One? The shmup you made with the oh yes,
2: yeah, the exactly. polar bears lasers and yeah, stuff are sick.
1: So basically, the gameplay on on mine, um, it's pretty good. I don't know. I tried to balance it. It's pretty fun to play. I think. But if anyone, if any serious shmup player played it, that's the first thing they'd say is like, this explosion covered up the screen and I died. You know what I mean. <laughs> but I mean, I was I was actually. This is another interesting thing about the shmup. I. I was trying to simulate what it was like to play in that band, which was very scary and very difficult. And that, um, it was a sight reading band. The music was really hard to read. I barely knew how to play the saxophone. Plus, we were outside exposed and cops were going to come get us all the time, you know? So I was trying to replicate that feeling in the schmuck very, very much. Like a, a feeling was, of. The impositions imp- are big though. Yes. Like
0: a feeling of improvisation, maybe?
1: Yeah, a feeling of loss of control and trying to interpret what's happening all the time. You know? Compared to any, you know, high quality schmuck where control is at the top of the list and then they try to overwhelm you while not taking away your control.
0: You uh uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Mine's a little different. The the control's fine and the pacing's pretty good and the difficulties it's not it's not even that, you know, hard. But you but it's but loss of control is actually a big part of it. Yeah, I'm so excited I'm gonna get, to give it I'm a gonna try. Get some bad reviews for that. Well, they can
0: come on the show and voice their bad reviews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the, I think the one thing to remember too is, you know, with the internet, people uh-huh. people are prone to judge on the internet. We all know that. Yes. Uh-huh. And so you put something out on the internet, such as this podcast, and I'm sure people are going to have plenty of criticisms. You know, oh Mark, your yeah. audio quality sucks. You're you're not all there. But uh-huh. then it's like. There's a whole other step, though. It's like, okay, you make a podcast, you come on the episode, and let's see how quick you are to judge. And I think oh. with game development, that's that's a whole other level. I mean, you're a person who doesn't have a whole lot of experience with game development, and yet that's you're my first one. But you're passionate enough to keep going with it, even though you know you're not having any kind of monetary gain or trying to make a business. It's just pure passion, uh-huh. and so it almost feels kind of tacky to really sit down and be like, well, this sucks, <laughs> you know, well, <laughs> or, well I this that, isn't, this isn't Donon Pachi or this
3: isn't.
1: Yeah. Battle I hope Borega. that it's far out. I hope that it's far out enough that anybody who engages it, you know, recognizes it as being left of center, you know, but I don't, I hope it's not too far out that someone that people don't engage it. Yeah.
2: So, you know,
0: well, I, I was watch. I was just watching gameplay and I had a huge smile on my face. I thought it was awesome.
1: Rad. <laughs> <laughs> um, nobody has engaged it. Not a single person. Because I live, you know, because there's no no one plays Shmups here. Yeah. Many people have played it, but I don't, I mean, I've played it, you know, one million times. I, it's, I finished it a, a couple months ago, and I've been touring it really aggressively, like, or in, in public, you know? Uh-huh. And I don't think anyone has played it ten times, you know, for example.
0: Now, when you say you were touring it, were you bringing the cabinet around with you?
1: Yeah, I take the cabinet all around. Like, I, um, well, there's an, I was in another crisis. I've been in another crisis because I'm, I have to go play shows all the time. That's my other art, you know? Mm -hmm. And we kind of live in a cultural wasteland here. It's really hard to find a place to perform. All all the rock and roll bars are long gone. And rock and roll is having a tough time. Yeah, totally. And so I'm kind of antiquated in that regard, you know? So I use the game as an excuse to do shows. Like I say, I'm going to have a game release. I've had like seven video game release shows over the last couple months. And it's an excuse to go play a show somewhere.
0: I wouldn't have any complaints. They go to a rock show and they bust out a unique shmup cabinet. I'd be happy.
1: It it kind (laughs) of spices it up. It kind of, you know, spins it over. Two extinct art forms in one building. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of what happens. Right now it's over at the record store where we played... Last week, and it's going to be for, there for a week, and then I'm going to take it back to the arcade. I've been trying to do a show in the arcade. That's my real fantasy.
0: That but, would be um, sick.
1: I can't win him over because, you know, he's in the mall and there's mall cops
0: and stuff. Oh my gosh, the regulations.
1: Yeah. The so
3: regulations.
1: <laughs> 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 but, that, but that's like a, a secondary function of the cab now that it's done. Well, that's well, I kind awesome. of got that out of my system. Well, like, I got that out of my system because I and I also kind of found some more places to play. So I'm just yeah. back into, you know, using it for its real purpose. I just leave mm. it at the arcade in between now.
0: Well, you know what's going to happen is next next time I come to Salt Lake, I'm hunting that cabinet down
1: and getting the high score.
0: Well, I'll come with like a box full of quarters and get the high <laughs> score,
2: dude. <laughs> there's, no,
1: there's no continues. You know, the program doesn't support continues. You just gotta. So, you just gotta go back to square forward. one. Yeah, there's a one, a, you know, a one credit, whatever. Oh no my what gosh! Do. <laughs> oh my god! Would but you I say can do it? I can make it to the end.
0: Oh, can you? <laughs> yeah. Well, what I'm definitely. I
2: have,
1: I've played it one million times.
0: I'm gonna definitely give it a try. Are there any Are there any secret developer tricks? Maybe, maybe you shouldn't reveal them, but are there secret developer tricks like Konami Co. type things to get through it?
1: No, there's not that, but there is a counterintuitive. Trick. The game it has spots where you are supposed to relinquish control by dropping a bomb. You're supposed to do that. And it's really counted nobody ever does it. You never feel like it's the right thing, but if you played saxophone in this band, you'd know when to do it. It'd be intuitive. But as a you know, as a video game player, like it's hard to drop your bomb to protect yourself.
0: Uh huh.
1: And you have to do it in my game.
0: Is it when the cops start showing up? Is that the bomb drop time? Yes. There's,
1: there's certain points, and the thing is, they're predictable. Like, you can see it coming, and you're just like, you know, I think I can make it. But you're supposed to see it coming and go, I just, you know, it's time I time not now. And you drop a bomb, and the bomb lasts for, you know, like 10 seconds. It's this enormous bomb, and you feel so much regret when you drop the bomb because it interrupts the action and it said right when the bomb is done, it says, uh, you, you get points for shooting the bad guys. And when <laughs> you drop the bomb, you don't you lose the opportunity to shoot all those bad guys. Right. You drop the bomb and then a voice says, Check your points to like um, <laughs> That's funny. Is it your to voice? Like, to degrade you for dropping it, but you have to do it. That's the secret of the game. It's it's kind of a sad game.
0: That's awesome. Well, that's all I can think of. Do you have anything else you want to talk about?
1: No, I got everything off my chest, I think, except that uh, thanks for doing the podcast, and this is really fun. And also, if you do want to go on a pilgrimage to see that game, make sure you text me so I can tell you where it is, because it's, at, from a collector's standpoint, it's the rarest schmuck in the world.
0: That's right. Hear that, everyone? Get to Salt Lake and play the rarest schmup ever.
1: Yeah, and you have to watch the video to make sure you know it's a real schmuck, because I wouldn't go play someone's crappy game either <laughs> but it's a cool game and if so, you yeah. get the high score in it what happens do you get a if you get the high score um, you just got a, there's a, this this score chart says worship the best players or something like that. <laughs> oh, that's worship funny the, worship the expert players so you get your name on there there's another really funny thing about this the program doesn't support there's not a you know module that lets you input letters. So you get the high score, you're on the chart, you don't have access to your laptop, you know, you just have these controls. Yeah. You have to input your score with the controls, which is always some unpredictable batch of letters. (laughs) So you end up with an anonymous score, which is is also (laughs) what it was like to be in the band. That's what it's like to be in like a nine-piece jazz band. Is you're anonymous. <laughs> you're
0: anonymous. You don't get to go or to school anonymous. the next day and get the ladies or anything.
1: Yeah, you're not the star. <laughs> you're an invisible member of the band. So even <laughs> with your high score, you don't get it. You know, you get to put in random initials. You'd want to come back on again. Sure. I, I don't have to talk about my game only.
0: I, <laughs> well, it's definitely a worthy <laughs> subject to talk about.
2: <laughs> I'm
1: working on some other games. I'm, I have. I'm making a game. I'm going to make more cabinets. I have other games in the works. There's like. I have other plans that are already kind of developing a little bit.
2: Are they all shmups? Away,
1: I'm going to be a big arcade player in one-off cabinets. Are
0: they all shmups?
1: Well, the next one's going to be a vertical shmup, and it's going to be more traditional, and I'm going to focus on control rather than loss of control uh-huh. and try to make a really tight, you know, normal shmup. And one is a... I guess it's technically a dodge-em-up. It's a... It's a you play a fleet of about 50 spaceships flying from Earth to Mars through an asteroid field and through obstacles and each spaceship is just one pixel big like <laughs> these little tiny dots and you have to get survive. you have to get there so you can't lose all your ships but they're just getting pelted by asteroids the whole time
0: How many can you have die or none they all have to survive if, if you if one of them
1: lands then you win oh, okay. I think you get a low score though. And, are, they, um, are you controlling all of them at once, or is it one yeah, at a time? Yeah, you oh. can call them all at once, and one button kind of tightens the formation. One kind of sp- spreads them into this shape, and one spreads them into that shape. Oh, that's cool. And at the bottom part of the screen is dialogue between all the ships. So there's incredibly fast dialogue from, like, the science officers and the captains and stuff like that, talking about how they get blown up. And the other detail is it's it has a soundtrack of procedurally generated synthesizer Oh really? That's like this kind of like strong droney synth techno <laughs> stuff. And I didn't make this game. My friend made this game, and she programmed it. She's a programmer, so I'm just making. the I'm her publisher. I'm going to make the cabinet and put it in the arcade.
0: Now you got your own. You got your own business there now.
1: Yeah, well, it's Rest Thirty Records Video Game Division.
0: Well, so that's, definitely. That's what I'm doing next When to. you get this stuff done, definitely let me know. Okay. Awesome. Well, it's been great talking to you. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for doing this. I hope you memorized everything you said in case we need to... Pre- I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's oh, man. I had to say it to myself all day long. <laughs>